Do you want to make games? Join the WVU Game Developers Club. They meet every Thursday at 6.30 in the Evansville Crossing, room 412. No primary experience is necessary. They help you make your first game, regardless of what background you have. Uh, everyone is welcome. You can check them out on Twitter at WVUGDC. Also check out their Facebook page. We hope to see you there. Welcome to Game Talk Episode 17. I'm your host, Ahmed Mion. Today I'm joined by Michael Dumeyer. Oh. And Connor Haynes. Hey, guys. And to start with, we're going to talk about something that might be seen as slightly controversial. But I'm going to dub this section, Why There's No Point in Owning an Xbox. So obviously, if you've listened to our previous episodes, you know that I'm a big PlayStation person. And we're all collectively sort of Nintendo people. We don't really have any Xbox representation on this podcast. But from our perspective, or specifically my perspective, I don't think owning an Xbox, especially in today's climate, adds a lot of value to your game collection. And that's for a few reasons. Uh, And the first and foremost and most important reason is that Microsoft has opted to share all their exclusives, all of their Xbox exclusives with PC. And in my opinion, that totally hurts the viability of Xbox One as a console you need to have. Because the PC is more versatile and can play more games. And if you can play all your Xbox One exclusives on there too, you'll save yourself 300 bucks by not having to buy the box itself. I don't think I understand your argument there though. Because, like, yeah, you don't need an Xbox in that space, but when you buy a PC, Microsoft is still making money there. Because you're still, you still have to have Windows. Right, but I'm not talking about Microsoft. Like, what's the point in buying an Xbox, though? I suppose so. You're right. So, um, because your PC can play all those Xbox exclusives and the PC exclusives and any third-party games. Right. So, granted, okay, the caveat is you don't have a PC on the level, like, the, the graphic, your graphics card and your processor aren't on the level of an Xbox One. But especially in 2018, uh, an Xbox One-level PC is not that expensive to build. No, but not um, everybody wants to do that. There's still, like, oh, a large portion of the gaming community that just wants to buy a console, have it plugged into their TV, That's and correct. No, that's it. a very solid argument. I just, I guess when I think about comparing to Sony and Nintendo, who, there's a reason why the Switch and the PlayStation 4 are selling so meteorically compared to the Xbox One, and I think it's because people buy those systems simply to play the games they can't play anywhere else. Like... So many people bought a Switch to play Zelda and Mario. Right. And also so many people bought PlayStations to play Bloodborne and Persona and that sort of thing. And now, like Microsoft even announced, even the latest Halo games are going to be cross-platform with PC. And when I heard that news, I I thought to myself, this is a huge mistake. Halo is the tentpole Microsoft IP. That should be the thing that sells Xboxes. And if you tell everyone that they could just play on their PC... Most gamers who have a powerful PC, I mean, that cuts them out of your potential buyers immediately. They would just get Halo on the PC. They would have no reason to purchase an Xbox. I just don't think it's about selling Xboxes. I don't think Microsoft has any interest in selling them, really. Like, selling a console (laughs) is really just, like, the money is in games. It's not in hardware, really. Yeah, I, I see your point there. Microsoft could certainly be more... Transitioning to be more software focused, 
I mean, they always have been, really. The hardware has been a very small part of what they do. It's just, it's an interesting shift to me because we're so used to consoles being these exclusive hubs where all these great games are, but I, it definitely seems like Microsoft's moving away from that mindset. And yeah, I guess revenue-wise, I mean, they'll just take the hit on not selling the hardware. They'll still still sell the software. I mean, I don't it's think just that's cons- even... I wouldn't even think that that's much of a hit because hardware is usually sold pretty close to at cost or even at a loss. And I think the PS3's case... The PS3? Yeah, I believe it was actually sold at a loss in the beginning. I don't. Companies don't rely on hardware so much to make them money. It's just that when you're selling a game on your own platform, on your own hardware, you can take a lot more of the money. See, another... Okay, so another argument I have to sort of counter your point in that it doesn't matter i think it does matter because for people who are super dialed in like us who really care about every little thing that microsoft and sony does and says yeah it probably isn't going to matter too much but to just the the average consumer who isn't too into video games the name sony means something it means playstation and the name microsoft when they think of games means xbox and kind of Abandoning the idea of Xbox exclusive content sort of loses that mind share, I think, I just from a marketing think, perspective. I think you're seeing a lot more overlap between console and PC players than actually exists. Because I would say a console gamer chooses between a PS4 and an Xbox, and then a PC gamer is totally separate from those. So, okay, so but a console gamer would now, with Microsoft policies would be choosing between a PlayStation and a PC, right? I don't think so. I don't think they would even care that the games are available on PC because okay. a PC is just not even something they're considering in a, in any casual space. Mm, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think there are plenty of people who utilize both. I mean, I'm one of them. I use both. Uh, I use my PC for gaming as well as console gaming. Granted, I'm more heavily on consoles, but I do play on my PC. Right, I just don't see... I guess I don't get your point. I don't get why Microsoft would want someone to buy an Xbox if they can be ingrained in Microsoft's platform on their computer. Like, you still have to use the Windows Store. Right. All that money is going to Microsoft. I just think they're taking a big hit with their brand if they're not trying to push and sell Xboxes. I I, feel like they would. I just don't see it that way, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Especially with, like... I think Xbox is about to make a huge leap in the console market with Game Pass coming out soon. Yeah, Game Pass, which is sort of the Netflix-style subscription service in which you you get tons and tons of games, including new releases, for free. Yeah, if you're sub- it's absolutely devalued to have. If you're subscribed to Xbox Game Pass. It's $120 a year, I think, like $10 a month, and like... It's just the value. Like, if you are a value gamer, Xbox One is the platform to be on mm-hmm. right now. Because Game Pass is not available on PC yet. Oh, is it not? It is not. I don't know if it that's will interesting. be or not, but okay. it's not available. Well, that sort of, like, changes the whole paradigm, then. That definitely adds a lot of value to the Xbox right. One console. The Xbox One is very affordable in comparison to PC or PS4 right now. Mm. The thing about Xbox, though, is that they don't have a lot of hard-hitting exclusives right now. Like, this year, probably, the, like, Sea of Thieves is coming out, and that's probably their biggest new IP coming out. Cuphead's pretty big. Yeah, but Cuphead you can buy on everything. That was another no. point. Oh, you can't? you can't? It's not on PS4. It's only on X- Xbox and PC, right? 
Right. Um, yeah, that was another big point I was going to make. Xbox is severely lacking in the exclusives category, especially when you compare them to their competitors, Nintendo and Sony. The Switch, which, you know, just released last year, right? Um, it's not even a year old, and it already has some of the hardest-hitting exclusives to ever hit a console. Right, and um, even even third-party games that come to Switch, the Switch is going to be the place to buy them because it'll be portable Right. in a lot of cases. And for a lot of other third-party games that aren't coming to Switch, because Sony's the market leader, those companies have made deals with Sony to, you know, for instance, put the DLC on that console first and timed exclusivity deals and stuff like that. In terms of unique games, I definitely say Microsoft is at a disadvantage because of A, lack of a breadth of first-party exclusives, and B, not having the advantage when it comes to third-party deals. Granted, they are um, they are kind of pursuing that avenue more aggressively. I think they had a deal with Assassin's Creed Origins, and you see them I guess I just aggressively pursuing those partnerships more. But I'm confused how... Xbox 360 got its early lead last generation. It released before the PlayStation 3. Yeah, it, it was released. Cheaper. It was cheaper. It, was cheaper. it released earlier. Yeah. It had some big exclusives for it that completely what were blew. Place there was Gears of War, Halo 3, Halo 3. That was a big one. Uh, what else? Crackdown. What else was a big title? See, I feel like nobody cares. Nobody's Fable. excited for the next Halo. Nobody's excited for the next Crackdown because they died. I think their IPs have become stagnant. They yeah. need fresh new ideas. And uh, Phil Spencer, the head of like uh, the Microsoft's game gaming division or whatever, he he keeps promising that there are deals like in the works and like they have stuff to reveal. But like he's been saying this for years, and every year that goes by, nothing really substantial gets know. announced. I've heard I've heard a little bit of, of rumors in the grapevine that Xbox One is going to have some exciting indie stuff happening soon. It's I I I don't know. I think they might be able to turn it around a little. I don't think it's over I mean, yet. Uh, it's definitely not over yet, but in terms of indies right now, it seems like Switch is the place to be. Right. Well, all the indies are itching to get onto Switch. Yeah, but that's just for the portability. Because Nintendo right. wised up with their third parties recently, like the Switch and Wii U. It's like let's let third parties actually develop for our consoles, so our console sells better. Not only that, conversely, third parties now want to be on the Switch because it's not like a dying console like the Wii U. Like it's a very attractive and, and lucrative proposition. Easier to develop for. Right, it is easier to develop for than the Wii U was. Like, Nintendo historically had been very tight-lipped about third parties. And they never, it was always first-party titles. Everything had that Nintendo seal of approval. And right. it was always Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo. Now they've kind of opened it up and they saw, maybe we should let third parties develop because the third-party games can keep us going while we make another great first-party game. And to just kind of bring the conversation back to Microsoft, I don't want to, like be totally down on Microsoft. Basically, I want to discuss how Microsoft can improve their prospects for the future. I mean, I um, think they are. I think Game Pass is a huge step for that. Like, No, it certainly is. Right now, if I had no console, no PC, nothing like that, even if I just had my Switch or something, but I wanted to play the third-party games, an Xbox One X would be really attractive to me because the games are going to be cheapest on it. Like, you could buy an Xbox One X, pay your $120 a year, and have access to all these games running in 4K. So do you think this is their strategy to make up for lack of exclusives? I think it might be, because it's not just exclusives on their Game Pass. Right. I, I think they're going to be... They're trying to make themselves the value. The value game. Console. Yeah, the value console Platform or whatever. Yeah. Because yeah. um, a lot of people used to go to Steam for that, and Steam's value has not been what it once was recently. 
I think Microsoft could usurp them in that way. No, that's definitely not a long shot. And that's not even means. including. I think you can get EA access on a. You can on yeah. an Xbox One, and that's incredible. That's a ton of games too. In terms of first-party releases, they have Sea of Thieves coming out. Right, that's a big title. Yeah, are I'm you guys excited, excited for. for that? I am. I'll be yeah. getting it on PC, but right. I'm um, I'm wishing I could get it with Game Pass instead of paying where, sixty dollars for it. Where but. is the next Halo? Like, um, it's not like, even really been mentioned. I feel like it's due, right? I feel like it's been a long time since Halo Five. It has, but I wouldn't be surprised if three four three took a step back to really evaluate some things because nobody Halo liked... Five didn't have very good reception. Yeah, right? nobody mm-hmm. was into Halo Five. What about uh? Do you think they're going to revive Fable? Uh, no, I don't think they did. Didn't they shutter the development studio, too? Was that Lionhead? Yeah, I think Lionhead's gone. Yeah, I think Lionhead is I gone. I think Fable is too big of an Xbox IP for it to be gone forever, though. I mean, it kind of like got they'll tarnished. they'll find a way to recreate it. I mean, Peter Molyneux was tarnished, you know? And that 22 was, cans. He created Fable, but Microsoft owns the IP. I mean, Disclaimer, they could just it else. I did buy Goddess, and uh, it looked promising when I bought it, and... That was another bad decision I've made, along with uh, trusting Double Fine to produce Space Base DF Space Base DF9. I I don't know. I don't think it's about exclusives for Xbox. I mean, I guess. I, I mean, Xbox does. I think I think you're ignoring some. Ex- doesn't Xbox have like exclusive? No, that's EA that owns the Madden and everything. Yeah. So like. So, so that's on PS4. Madden, and- that's multiplayer. They don't have any exclusive sports titles as far as. As I'm aware, PS4 does have MLB Baseball though as, really? as an exclusive, so that's pretty. That's a pretty niche but significant market there. But I don't know. I still come back to the fact that maybe it's just that I'm not used to considering only software. But I really do believe console sales matter in terms of optics, in terms for the wider view of things. I do think they matter. I and just don't. I just don't agree. I don't think. I don't think. I think player base matters, but I don't think console sales matter. Like, I think having people playing on the multiplayer servers, that's huge. But as long as the games are cross-platform, if the people on PC are playing on the <laughs> and same And obviously, servers, Microsoft agrees with you, because right. they're heading in that direction. But I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this pans out. I personally think it's a mistake, and it's overall damaging the brand that they're not trying to push the consoles more. Because that's just the marketable statistic. I mean... Sony gets to come out every month and say they sold this many units or were the top-selling console for the month while Xbox just stays quiet. It's but I just don't think look. that's meaningful to anyone that they're... But it is meaningful, though, because players see that and they're like, oh, most people have PlayStation 4s. Let me convince my friends to get PlayStation 4s. I mean, obviously, this is early into the console cycle, but like when people were deciding where to go, I mean, most people were on 360 last generation. No. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Until really? very late, until yeah, the very, until very end of the late. generation. Yeah. It's because the 360 release first is like, we want this new console. We want these cool-looking games. Plus, it this. had the multiplayer community. Right. But PlayStation, at the very beginning of the generation, said the right thing for gamers, and Microsoft didn't. And that made all the difference. And Microsoft so- fumbled the beginning yeah. of this generation And hard. Sony's yeah. taken that momentum and run with it ever since. So I do think the image of the Xbox matters a lot because of those reasons. But... I just can't yeah. agree with you. We disagree there, and we'll see how that pans out in the future. But either way, I think it's going to be super interesting. Microsoft's in a very interesting position in the market right now. They're making a lot of interesting moves, and we'll see what kind of ripples those have. 
Um, okay, so our next topic is going to be also Microsoft related, and it's going to be addressing the recent rumor that Microsoft is considering purchasing EA. I'll just say right off the bat, that's going to solve their exclusivity problem. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, that would be huge for both Microsoft and EA, and would probably immediately fix a lot of the issues I had with Xbox that I l outlined in the previous segment. It would also be a horrifying time to be a PS4 owner. I mean, that loses you... I mean, I know Star Wars hasn't been in good light, but that loses PS4... Star Wars, yeah, any Mass Star Effect, Wars game. Dragon Age. Right. Um, those are just the three biggest ones I can All think of. All sports games. Like Madden, like... Uh, I don't know if... Okay, so realistically, if I was in charge of Microsoft, I don't know if I'd make the sports games exclusives. I would just try to get those on as many platforms as possible, just because... I don't know. Those are going to sell everywhere. I mean, we won't, we'll have to see. I yeah. mean, I guess they still sell Minecraft on PS4. Yeah. And, my, mean, and again, that's an intelligent business decision because Minecraft's like, what, the second or third biggest game of all time at this point? Right. So they just want to sell it. But, um, yeah, like, if they get EA and then make, you know, Mass Effect exclusive, Dragon Age exclusive, Star Wars, the biggest one, I think, exclusive, then that's that immediately puts them back in the game in a big way. Right. I, I mean, I would immediately say, like, at that point, your argument that the PS4 has better exclusives is probably invalid, because EA makes a lot of good games. Um, I would still think, even if they got all of those, the PS4 would definitely have better exclusives, but that's just my opinion. There's lots of different IPs on the PS4, but that's besides the point. I've heard the, the like, the figure being floated out there was somewhere around, like, $40 billion that's to a buy lot of EA, dollars. which is just, like, How much wild. was it that uh, Microsoft bought Minecraft for? Two billion? Yeah, it was, it was much less than that. See, uh, you see, that seems crazy to me because I feel like Minecraft alone is worth more than a, a lot of EA. I mean, well, it probably is, and but you know, Notch being one person, yeah, saw the money and was just like, you know, yeah, sure. I mean, Notch doesn't have to do anything for the rest of his life, mm -hmm. he and he can out. live lavishly. Notch wanted out anyway because he was kind of done with Minecraft, so he took the money and went off and did what he wanted to do. Well, Forty but, billion dollars, but for clearly, EA. I mean. Is it a stretch to say Microsoft's easily already made that money back with Minecraft? I feel. Oh like. yeah. yeah, it definitely like, has. Uh, I mean, probably off merch alone. Yeah. So, it's it. That's another another thing it reminds me of is the Disney Star Wars acquisition. They paid like I think four billion dollars for Star Wars. Oh yeah, they've I'm made that like, back in one movie. You could have like yeah. asked for five times that, and Disney probably would have given it to you, but. Anyways, I'm not, I don't know. I don't do multi-billion I mean, dollar deals. These rumors were about uh, last month, so we've heard nothing about it since. There were also rumors floating around that that Microsoft might try buying Valve. I saw that as well. I no, think, that would be insane. I, that think, would, I think EA... The end of PC gaming. I think the EA one has the highest probability of being true. But regardless of what's true, the fact that... Well, this might not be true either, but it seems like Microsoft is looking to gobble up another big player in the game industry. Right. Um, so, again, this seems to be them shoring up their weaknesses. Game Pass first, and then, like, powerful first-party lineup second. Um, yeah, I and that agree would, you. you. know, those are, I feel like, those are the two weaknesses. Like, if Microsoft covers those, then, like, it's pretty much a deadlock at that point between the three, the big three. Right. Um what other big EA IP are there? I'm just Anthem's kind of coming. Yeah, there. Anthem's coming. And oh, Anthem's yeah. gonna either be uh, Anthem's gonna be big somehow. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's somehow. Gonna, I'm I'm um, firmly of the camp. There's gonna be a 
big mistake. I see. At like, first, let's say early 2017, I thought it was going to be big, and now I think it's going to be a big mistake. Like I'm, I, not, I think EA is just going to stuff it with loot boxes and microtransactions. It's it's going to be the game that kills Bioware. I'm calling it now. That'll be sad. Throw your heat at me. It's going to kill Bioware, and I'm going to cry. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a very sad day if that happens. But I don't know. Like maybe they. <sighs> Yeah, has I can't even finish that sentence. Maybe they learn huge. their mistakes if, from from Battlefront Two. If Battlefield was only on Xbox, that would be huge. Yeah, Battle. That's another huge one. Yeah, Battlefield. Yeah. Uh, that's. They basically have their own Call of Duty at that point. You the know. The thing about Battlefield was Battlefield is pretty much principi- principally like a PC series. I think that's what they de- debit for anyway. So you know. Taking that from PC would make a lot of people angry. A lot of long time. They wouldn't fans. take it from PC. They never. They can't. Yeah, they wouldn't because they release all their games on PC. Yeah, because there's a huge, the biggest consumer base for Battlefield is actually PC gamers. Really? Because it, that's where it came out first. Wait, 1943 so, or 1942 was you, PC. Why are you saying that they're gonna take it from PC? Like if if they decided to, which but they, they wouldn't. Could. Because if they it's a Microsoft all their first party. Yeah, games. if it's a Microsoft exclusive, it's gonna be on PC. Which yeah. We already, we already talked that, about yeah. that, right? But yeah, like, so if this were to happen, what would you what do you think would happen at the highest level of EA? Would they just be like, "You're out," and we're gonna put our own people in, or w- I, would they be like, "I have to hope so." Yeah, because I mean, EA has been horrible. EA they've had their ups and downs, but recently they've just been doing some horrible stuff. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think if if Microsoft were to acquire them. If they weren't going to install their own people at the executive level, they would have to be very strict and very, you know, just monitor EA very closely because they can't let them be autonomous. They would just continue doing what they were going to do. Right, and that would just make Microsoft look bad. Yeah. I mean, we could start a whole new topic on how much games should cost, but... Yeah, but but the, the point of the matter is you don't want the Xbox to suddenly become the loot box console. Yeah. That would just destroy Microsoft. Yeah, especially nowadays, loot boxes are not in a very good light. That's people, people want to make you make you pay more for the game that normally used to. You bought the cartridge, you got the entire game, bugs and all. Now they fix that for you. In an alternate reality, EA buys Microsoft. When you buy an Xbox, you get either it's three hundred dollars. You get an empty box. You get an Xbox One, or you get an Xbox One X. It's That's you really never fun. know. Which. I want it, and then sometimes you get a Darth Vader. Yeah, a pink Darth Vader. <laughs> How many how many Xboxes would you have to buy before you got a One X? <laughs> I'd say about four thousand dollars worth, enough for a new Tesla for the NEA ex- executive. Um, our last topic is going to be difficulty in games. Now, obviously, when in today's climate, when you mention difficult games, you think of you know Dark Souls and Cuphead, Cuphead, and or the Dark Souls of Dark Souls, you know. The right, d- Neo, the Dark Souls Neo a little bit. Anything, you think of. well, Neo's not a popular IP, but difficulty in games has had a pretty. I mean, it's difficulty has been an, in- an integral part of gaming since its inception. The earliest games were notoriously difficult to a fault. Right. Um, I mean, there was a reason for them to be notoriously difficult because back when rental stores existed, they had to make that game difficult so you couldn't beat it in a week. Also, I mean, like NES early games were they were they were short. fairly short. Yeah, and exactly. They used difficulty to pad out their length. Uh, exactly, but you know, as gaming became a bigger thing, obviously it was not 
not everyone would tolerate, you know, starting the game over if you die three times or something right. like that, you know? So as gaming became bigger, games also as a whole became easier. With now, uh, games having multiple difficulty modes as the standard, you know, easy, normal, hard, and then, like, extreme or whatever. But a lot of games, like Dark Souls, as I mentioned, are just intrinsically difficult, and there's no set difficulty modes. So I kind of guess I would... I, I guess I just kind of want to compare the two different difficulty paradigms and which I mean, ones you guys prefer. I'm going to just go right off the bat and say I hate difficulty selection in games. I hate jumping into a game and, like, the first thing you do is you have to select your difficulty. And I'm like, well, I'm pretty good at games. I guess I should pick hard. And then I start playing it. And you I'm like, stumped. I'm not, not even if I'm just getting stumped. Like, if it takes me 20 minutes to kill a single person just because all they did was pad out their health. That's, that's not fun. Like, that's, and there's no way, usually, looking at these menus, like, there's no way to tell which one is the intended difficulty of the game and which ones are the, like, stupidly modified ones. You brought up a really good point. A lot of developers, to make things more, quote-unquote, difficult, they just make the enemies take more damage before dying. Right, or they just or throw more enemies increase the damage in. of their, the enemy's attacks or increase I mean, the number of enemies. Damage increases are fine, but when you make everyone a bullet sponge, that's where it gets wrong. That's not fun. Like, it's, if they, everyone dies as fast as you die, like, look at Hotline Miami, where you die as fast as the enemies. Right, that's fun. So, that's in, a fun a, in an ideal world, obviously this would take way more development resources and time, but wouldn't it be better to have difficulty modes scale with, like, AI, you know? Like, I have just, the AI be more intelligent, do more cunning stuff? I just don't know. I just don't know that I like difficulty selection. I think when a game is made there is a difficulty that is right for the right. game, and anything above or beyond that hurts the game. So, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And like, I, I, like I Dark think, Souls is I the think I agree. classic example. Like, I think, an easy mode would be bad in Dark Souls. Yeah, I think I agree, because... But a hard ha- mode would be even worse in Dark Souls. Having these multiple difficulties, it sort of splinters the developer's vision for the game, right? right? And you look at the game called... Uh, you look at Dark Souls, right? If it had different difficulties, it would not be Dark Souls. You know, right. That totally defeats the entire point of Dark Souls. They made one game with a singular vision, and it's extremely hard. Right. But that's and can you imagine putting a difficulty, like a difficulty selection in Mario or Super Meat Boy or anything like? It just doesn't make sense. But like, it's so common in like a first-person shooter, and I don't think it makes sense there either. So it's just I, I agree do. with you. But just to play devil's advocate, a lot of people don't have or don't want to put in the time that, you know, some other more hardcore players want to put in. And to them, like, these difficulty modes, like, specifically the easier difficulties, are very, are like a godsend because they can get through the game without having to sort of invest the time that it would take otherwise. I think my point is that I need... I need a default difficulty. Like, I need one that the developers say, like, this is the game, how we imagined so it. most games that have, like, a normal difficulty, would you not say that was... No, it? I wouldn't. Not anymore. Maybe once upon a time, normal was that. But, like, now you have seven difficulty settings, and, like, hard is normal, normal is easy, easy have, is very easy. Do you have a specific game that comes to mind when you... Uh, Wolfenstein. This? Wolfenstein? Wolfenstein or Halo. I heard Wolfenstein was notoriously hard, right? The old ones or the new one? The newest one. I, I don't know. I haven't played the newest okay. one, but the one before the newest one I didn't think was very hard at all. Okay. 
I don't remember what game mode I played on. But, like, that's that's another example. Like, when you select an easier game mode, they, like, put a binky in the player's mouth and, like, make fun of you for it. And I'm like, dude, I just well, want to play your I game. Don't, I don't think I everyone play this does game that. I paid $60 for. I don't want you to make fun of me yeah, for not that's, being good that's at it. Yeah, that's kind of in bad taste. And I don't think... I definitely don't think most people do that. That's probably just a couple cheeky That has been companies. the history of id Software, honestly. Every yeah. game they do has that. Well, id's, id Software is not a very mainstream company, you know? Like, no. They're not making Call of Duty. Well, they are right now. Doom was pretty mainstream. Doom they were mainstream in the past, too. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Doom was pretty mainstream. Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't know. They're I not, hardly they're not Activision, niche. you know? Like, I guess. But, um, but Call of Duty does it too. I mean, Call of Duty has five or six game modes. And they have like recruit, regular, hardened, veteran, right? And now yeah. I think and they what, have one what above. What do any veteran. of those mean? Like, what? How hard is the game going to be? I have no idea. I think the one above veteran is like realistic and where you, you take, like, one take bullet, a couple bullets takes and you, you one just bullet. die. Yeah, everything dies quick, which is. And a lot of games I've seen have put like for like a certain difficulty. This is the intended play experience for this game. Okay. I've seen that I've in, seen in that games, too. I know? just feel like that should be what the game defaults to, and then hidden somewhere in the options menu, you should be able to change your difficulty. That would be my ideal world, I think. I don't want it to be expected of me to make this decision immediately in the game. I see your point, but I think in order to appeal to the mainstream, that's never going to happen, you know? Like, a lot of people look forward or not look forward, but, like, expect when they start up the game, like, okay, here are the difficulty modes. I'm just going to pick easy because I just want to, you know, kind of turn my brain off and play. I'm going to look at Mario Kart for an example, though, for my case. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe mm-hmm. has, by default, they have their assist mode turned on or whatever it's called. Yeah. And But if you, like, if you get good at the game and you decide, like, hey, I don't want this, you go into the options and you turn it off. Like, if if you're playing and you're not being challenged, you can ramp it up, but... I think that's a good example of a a good difficulty yeah. switch. And we've kind of talked about that before, but I still say that it probably should be presented out front because the majority of the people would want to see that at first, you know, to tailor their experience however they want. But I'm totally I'm just, with you. Yeah. I would prefer to have, like, the game just be the developer's vision. Right. You know? But I don't think that's intuitive to... the like optimal sales, so I don't think that's ever gonna happen. Maybe. Michael, any other thoughts? Uh, not really. I mean, some games like I think Mass Effect Three had a narrative mode where it's pretty hard, if not impossible, to die. There's right. maybe two or three sections that you can die, and those sections will kill you fast on any difficulty. Yeah, and and speaking of narrative mode. Uncharted 4, and I think, like, the remastered Uncharted's 1 through 3 have that, too, where it's just, it's it's self-explanatory, it's just the narrative. I mean, enemies go down like tissue paper, and you're essentially invincible, so you're just playing for the story. And, yeah, I mean, like, game, like, people like us aren't going to be interested in that, but, you know, there might be really young kids playing, or someone with not a lot of time who would use that option. Right, and that's just, like... That's the new cheat code, more or less. Like, in the yeah. past, little kids would use god mode and infinite ammo cheats or something to play through a game that they weren't, you know, <laughs> that they didn't have the skill to get through, and now it's easier. They can just pick narrative mode. Yeah. I agree with that inclusion in a in a narrative-based <coughs> game. Okay. Well, I think we've exhausted that topic. Yeah, I think okay. so. So, as always, we're going to end by talking about games we've been playing or games we recommend. Connor, do you want to start? Sure. Um, I'm going to talk about a platformer called Celeste. 
Uh, it doesn't do anything crazy, I don't think. It's just um, it's pretty hard. Um, I've been playing it on my Switch. It's actually based on a, a Pico 8 game. That uh, I don't I don't want to go into too much about what a Pico 8 is, but it's like a it's a what's called a fantasy console, and if you're into programming or retro games, you might want to look into that. But um, I think it's the developer's first major game. It's really fun, uh, tight design, good narrative, um, really fun mechanics. I've got nothing but praise. Yeah, I've heard extremely good things, and I and I certainly intend on playing it in the future. Um, I just kind of want to revisit revisit one of those points. The narrative I've been hearing a lot about. In right, the, in it's the, no, I haven't beat it yet, so don't spoil is, it for me. But I, I've not, a, I've not heard any spoilers. It's but just, I've just about this girl climbing a mountain, and I've, um, I've heard it's very effective and yeah. like emotional, and I think that's really impressive to the pull off in a nice. platformer, you know, because I've also heard the level design informs the narrative in like a perfect oh, yeah. way, which is just like really impressive to me. There's some very cool level design, like uh, there's a bunch of cool secrets to find and stuff, a bunch of collectibles throughout the world. There's actually, you can find the original Pico 8 game hidden in the game world. Um, oh, right, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I found that totally by accident and started, I played through the entire Pico 8 game. Very difficult game, right? Yeah, definitely. No easy mode? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Definitely not in the creator's vision. And it's available on... It's on Switch, Switch. it's on PC, I think. I don't know where else. I think it's available on everything, but I'd have to j- double check to be sure. But yeah, definitely, that's definitely on my to-do list. Definitely a good Switch game. Michael? So, I've dove back into Fallout New Vegas recently, and oh man, was that game actually really good. It doesn't run well on Windows 10, actually, whatsoever. Really? I'm fighting crashes more often than not, and I have almost every single anti-crash mod installed. Like, what it, does that say about a game that you have to have <coughs> anti-crash mods installed? Well, so, sometimes they just prevent like little crashes that every Bethesda game has. And both Fallout's are notoriously bad on PC for crashing. Fallout Three, since it was for game, game games for Windows Live, um, you actually have to spoof games for Windows Live to get Fallout Three to launch. Really? Yes, you actually have to patch that out, or else it won't launch. Or it will launch and it will crash if the game starts because, you know, it's awful. New Vegas runs great. It ran great on Windows 7, ran great on Windows 8. You get it on Windows 10 and sometimes you'll hit a loading zone and the game will start stuttering and you better pray to whatever god you believe in because it might crash. So it might take your PC with you. I have actually never played Fallout New Vegas, but I've heard, like, the story in that game and, like, the narrative and, like, the choices you make are the best in any Fallout game out so far. Obsidian really took it away with New Vegas. They every single choice that you make has some type of effect in the ending somewhere. You could choose to spare someone's life in a cave, and you might find them later in a camp. It's like, oh hey, thank you for not killing me. You could have, you could have just shot me right there, but you didn't. See, I, I really like that sort of effect because it really it helps you believe you're in a living world, a living breathing world. And a recent game that I can think of that did that really well is The Witcher 3. Um, but I, I think it's really cool that Obsidian did that, like, years before. Like... And it seems like they... I don't know. I, I know Fallout New Vegas got a lot of praise, but I feel like it wasn't as popular as 3 or 4, and I feel like it should be. Fallout New Vegas also was had a limited dev time of, like, I think a year or two or less. Because they wanted it out real quick, so there, it wasn't... It's not even a technically full game as the creators wanted it. Like, the lead designer went out and released a mod for it. 
a year later that has all the stuff that he wanted to be changed that he couldn't. But, like, New Vegas is one of those games where I accidentally killed a major quest NPC with a shotgun at point-blank range, and it locked me out of an entire faction quest. Like, the entire one part, entire... I love that. ...of the four factions I got locked out of right there, and I can't go to my house without fighting off robots. Wow. It's great. Just because I accidentally did, shot him. And it let me. It didn't just say, oh, this guy's essential. He can't die. He can die. That's a level of freedom that's kind of rare in today's games. But definitely appreciated. Yeah. All right, I'll 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 go next. Um, I have been playing Shadow of the Colossus for PlayStation Four. Um, a lot of you may know uh, Shadow of the Colossus originally released towards the end of the PlayStation Two's life cycle, um, and it was hailed by gamers and critics as one of the greatest games of all time. Uh, just the narrative and the experience of playing that game has been revered throughout the years, and uh, Bluepoint Games uh, essentially recreated Shadow of the Colossus from the ground up, like all of the code, all of the art, everything, uh, for PlayStation 4. So it looks and runs like a PlayStation 4 game, and it is absolutely gorgeous. I've heard some... Well, I, I agree the game... Like, this is a game that I think deserves the attention it's getting right now which is something it didn't necessarily get on the PS2 so much. It was more of a cult classic, yeah. But um, I've heard some people say that it plays kind of like a, a PS2 game, like the controls are so not as tight as you would want. They intentionally left the controls similar to the PlayStation 2 controls. They did make a few key changes to make it more tolerable. Yeah, the controls aren't 100% tight, but I think that's a design choice. Like, you want to be... They, I think the de developers want you to be struggling trying to climb these behemoths. and Yeah. And they even have, like, a mode in the game where you can completely revert back to the PS2 controls if you want, like, the really? full nostalgic experience. Yeah. They even have, like, different filters in the game to make it look like the PlayStation 2 game. If that's wild. If you want to do that. And another very appreciated mode, they have, like, a resolution mode where it's 30 frames per second and then, like, uh, 1440p if you have a PS4 Pro. And they have a frame rate mode where it's 60 frames per second locked. And uh, just seeing, like, the Colossi move in 60 frames per second, they look like actual, like, beasts. Like, they're subtle movements. You can see all of them. And it's just, it's it's beautiful That's to awesome. behold. Yeah. I remember that game really being really beautiful what I, from what I saw on PS2. So I'm glad but we kind of finally got a remaster. Just in case uh, people might not know what this is about, I'm going to give a quick synopsis. So... You're a young man, you travel to this forbidden land with the body of your loved one. I, th I think she's implied to be your wife. But basically, you come here because you hear in this land there's a way to bring her back to life. So you, you, you reach this temple, and you talk to what seems like a deity, and the deity speaks to you and tells you to slay these 16 colossi, these gigantic beasts, organic beasts made of, made of like stone and 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 greenery the deity tells you to kill these 16 beasts and your loved one will come back to life albeit at a great personal cost so that's the entire game you just set out uh you your sword and your horse to find these 16 colossi and kill them that's the whole game just constant uh it's just finding the colossus killing it and then moving on to the next one and just uh, the direction the story goes, as well as the experience of fighting the Colossi itself, is unlike any other game I've played. Um, each each of these Colossus fights are 
exhilarating and terrifying. Um, and, and there's a real sense of tension while fighting them. And it's a very special game that I highly, highly recommend. Sounds good. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say. Yeah. Um, it's it's a super critically acclaimed game. Um, it's one of those makes me wish I had a PS4 a little bit, but, you know, can't win them all. Well, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this week. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.